0: I want to be like Elisha. I want you to be Elijah and I want the double portion. And you stopped in the old city of Jerusalem. <laughs> Come on, laugh with me. You know, that's funny. You will stop with me in the mm-hmm. old city of Jerusalem. We sat down on a rock. You opened up the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. and this is when my life changed.
1: You are listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. Exploring Hebrew New Testament manuscripts for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome
0: to Hebrew Gospel Pearls, the special edition. (laughs) I am here with Dr. Nehemia Gordon. We are continuing to open up the Word of God to find out what it means in its language, history, and context. But we're actually gonna do something a little different. We're going to do some, uh, what you would call it, Nehemia, I think the first time you gave me this phrase, you gave me this phrase a French, I think it was a French phrase. What was it? (laughs) Italian phrase. Oh. Come on, don't work with me here.
1: Okay, so there's this, this famous Italian expression, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, but it's something like traditore, traditore. Right, right. And it means the translator is a traitor. That's right. And it's this idea that whenever you translate something, you have to make a choice. And you could translate literally, and then you lose the, the meaning in the target language, mm-hmm. or you translate uh, uh, broadly, you sort of paraphrase, and then you lose the flavor and the literal meaning of what you're saying. Okay. And so the translator is a traitor is a problem I think we keep encountering in our Hebrew gospel pearls. And we were talking, and we decided what we need to do is, rather than just continuing verse after verse after verse, which we will hopefully continue to do, <laughs> that's the plan, <laughs> But I think we need to get like kind of a, a broad, like thirty thousand foot view, where we could see what are what are the principles behind some of these issues that we're encountering. Mm-hmm. And you had this brilliant idea of taking some case studies yes. of translation issues where the translator is a trader, and you called it tricks of translation. I
0: called it tricks of translation, and then I came to the team here and said, "Help us with this." And you know, they just yeah. click, 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 and next thing you know, we got special. We got tricks of translation. We have at least two. I think we have three episodes we're going to do. And mm. the reason for that is, Nehemia, we don't get you in studio all the time. You've been really busy. You've been traveling around. Oh, yeah. And before, listen, I want to give us just a quick update for our Hebrew Gospel uh, Pearls folks. What have you been doing since we finished uh, recording Hebrew Gospel Pearls up until episode 32? I mm-hmm. think we finished episode
1: 32, Public well, and I don't even remember when we recorded that. I'll tell you what I've been doing for the last year. Okay. So over the last year, so I'm based now in Dallas. That's where and my wife, and I live in the great state of Texas. In the great Republic of Texas, my favorite Spanish-speaking country, <laughs> and well, I'm still trying to learn the local language. Um, and and. I think I spent something like two months of the last year actually at home. Mm-hmm. I've been in planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm not sure there were any trains. But, yeah. uh, well, there was a, There was. It a works. <laughs> um, we've been all over the place, and I actually had somebody, my, my wife was telling somebody this, and she said, oh wow, what a fancy life you live. You're traveling all over. Do you know how difficult it is to be living out of a suitcase? Right. and you check into a hotel, right. and it, it, it's, honestly, I want to sit at home <laughs> and mm-hmm. never leave my house. Mm-hmm. So it's really challenging, but this is, we're going to where we need to go. Mm-hmm. So we've spent, over the last year, time in Berlin, Cambridge, England, uh, multiple times in Italy. We spent uh, three weeks at the Vatican. First, mm-hmm. we spent a week studying Codex Vaticanus, And then another two weeks we came back later to study Codex Vaticanus and other Hebrew manuscripts at the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Um, It was actually kind of interesting. When we got to the Vatican, uh, we had submitted this proposal. Mm -hmm. And when we actually, and they've approved the proposal, and we got there, they looked at the proposal, and they said, oh, we don't let anybody access this. You can't access this manuscript. We don't let anybody do that. Mm -hmm. And we had to then convince them why our research could only be done Mm -hmm. directly with the manuscript and not with photos. Mm -hmm. Because we had come all the way to the Vatican, they were only going to let us look at photos. Mm -hmm. But we ended up three weeks, uh, actually, first one and then two more uh, weeks, uh, examining it directly using very advanced technologies Mm -hmm. uh, in order to answer some really important questions that nobody's been able to answer up until now. I can't share the answers yet Mm -hmm. because they're going to be Uh, we're hopefully going to be publishing them in a peer-reviewed academic Mm -hmm, journal, mm -hmm. so I can't share the results, but it's absolutely fascinating. We spent a week in a place called Ferrara, Italy, where someone discovered this old Torah scroll that has all kinds of interesting features you don't normally see in a Torah scroll, Mm -hmm. and this was an unknown scroll. Mm -hmm. I had to decide whether we were going to spend a week there, and uh, we were invited to, and uh, I said, okay, well, before I bring this whole team from... Uh, we have people coming from Jerusalem, people coming from Munich, people coming from Hamburg. It's a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it worth it for us to go and examine this scroll in Ferrara? And I said, Can you send us the photos? He said, Well, we don't really have any photos. So I looked in every catalog that exists. I asked all the top, right. all the top people. They said, We've never heard of this scroll. As far as we know, it doesn't exist. I finally got two small photos, and I saw things in that photos where I called up the different teams and I said, we must go to Ferrara. Everything. This is a, this is a scroll that um, is, yeah. is pretty rare and we don't normally get an a- opportunity to access a scroll like this. Uh, it had certain features that aren't supposed to exist in Torah scrolls, but mm-hmm. there they were. Mm-hmm. And so we went there and we photographed it using something called multispectral imaging mm-hmm. of each uh, page or really sheet of a Torah scroll. We took 25 different images at different wavelengths and different kind of mm-hmm. um, raking lights and things like that. very very sophisticated stuff. It's never been done on this scale with uh, Torah scrolls until we did a similar thing at the Vatican, right? Wow. So we actually did two scrolls right. uh, on that trip. Then one of the places we went was Budapest. Mm-hmm. In Budapest, I spoke at the Conference of Samaritan Studies. Mm-hmm. All the top st- scholars in the world who uh, research Samaritan history and Samaritan literature, come there and you get an opportunity to present to them the results of your findings. Mm -hmm. And what do you think I spoke there on the Conference of Samaritan Studies? What topic do you think I talked about? Uh, Let's see. The name. The name? (laughs) So one of the main arguments for Yahweh is a fifth century church father who for years I've been calling Theodoret of Cyrus And one of the people there said, well, who's that? I said, well, here's how it's spelled. He said, oh, you mean Theodorate of of Cyrus. (laughs) Theodorate. Theodorate of Kairos. Theodorate, not Theodoret. all right. And then I found out maybe in America they say Theodoret, and in in Europe they say Theodoret. So uh, Theodoret or Theodoret says that the Samaritans pronounce the Tetragrammaton Yahweh. So I combed through Samaritan sources, and I've done a study on this, a very preliminary study in the past, but I wanted to present to the top scholars in Samaritan studies Mm -hmm. what is it that we actually know about this. Mm -hmm. And I walked into that conference, it's really interesting, with a pretty good case for what I was saying. And I walked out of there after a week with a definitive ironclad case because I had people at the conference walk up to me and say, you know, you made a good point here, but what about XYZ? Oh, I, I... I never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, okay, uh, have you considered what this uh, um, fourth century Samaritan author said? No, let me have a look. Wow, he proves my case. Mm-hmm. And so it was incredible, an incredible opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually one person sitting there in the conference who was one of the top scholars in the world in Samaritan studies. And as I began to present my, my paper, my presentation, He had this look on his face. He kept shaking his head. Oh. And at the end of the the presentation, he was nodding. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Now, I can't say he was convinced, but (laughs) he seemed to be coming around. Um, I also went and spoke at the World Congress of Jewish Studies, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like the Olympics of uh, Mm -hmm. Judaic studies, of Mm -hmm. biblical studies. It's like once every four or five years in Jerusalem at Mount Scopus. It was one of my dreams in life to speak at that conference. And uh, I spoke there. Mm. Um, also spoke at the SBL, Society of Biblical Literature in Denver, mm. uh, on various manuscripts that I've discovered in various issues. And, and so I've been traveling around the world, mm. researching manuscripts, interviewing scholars, interviewing other people so I can share, not just discover things, but share this information with people. Awesome. And it's been a whirlwind. Like I said, I've been only home for two months Mm. And there's sometimes where I wake up and I'm like what country am I in? <laughs> or I pull up my computer and I get the wrong time zone because yeah. it's still on the previous place where right. I've been to. Wow. Well, Naomi, I've been I you know, it's
0: for me when I hear about all this stuff you always call me and tell me and I always get really excited cuz I always think about our time back in 2002. Mm-hmm. I actually have a picture I'd like Thanks. to show. Yeah. I, I've got. I brought my. Uh, I brought my. I found this a couple days ago. This was before digital pictures, mm-hmm. right? When you used to take pictures in 2002, I met you, and I found here a picture of you. I want them to put it up on the screen. I want you to take a look at it. Is that you, Nehemia? That appears to be that. Me. Appears to be you. That's 2002. Those are much better hair days. And uh, and and so in 2002 we met, and we're going to get into this. But I want to give you an update on what I've been doing since yeah. our 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 meeting. I found myself in a situation. I'm going to call it. B-S and A-S. What is B-S?
1: Wait, Keith is speaking B-S? <laughs> you heard it from him. Before Saudi Arabia.
0: Okay. So I, we lead tours at BFA International, and uh, we did a tour this year to uh, Israel. It was called a Prayer Pilgrimage, and mm. we were in uh, Israel. Some amazing things happened there. I thought I would be coming right back, mm-hmm. and I got an invitation uh, from a couple people, uh, my new friends now, uh, Kari and Doug, who said, "God said we should ask you if you want to go with us to Saudi Arabia." Hmm. And I actually called you on the phone. I'm going to bring you into this. So I, uh, I, I said to them, "I said, what, what do you mean go to Saudi Arabia? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to the mountain. Of God, will you go with us?" And I looked at the dates and all that. And the first thing I did is I called my wife, and then I called my second wife. Used to be Nehemia. <laughs> You know,
1: old days. You used, to, you used to say we were a couple, right? So I called my wife Andrea, and she says, "We, we, we would go do these speaking tours, <laughs> and it was super low budget. So we'd end up in the same hotel room. That's TMI." And we'd always tell people, uh, "Say two beds, two beds, yeah, right, two beds. <laughs> <laughs> separate beds." Yeah. So you and I have had twenty years. It's been amazing.
0: Uh, but then I, I, I had told my wife, and permission to mm. take a couple minutes here. Please. I had told my wife about a year and a half. I said, "Honey, I had mm. this dream." No, the dream, Keith with the dream. And in the dream, I was in Saudi Arabia, but it was at night, and I saw this mountain. So right away, I was looking to figure out how I could go to Saudi Arabia. It was COVID. There was no travel. Um, so I forgot about it, really, until these people said, will you go? Yeah. So I'm in Israel already. They said, will you go? Now, here's the amazing thing, that in. Yeah. In, up until 2013, you couldn't even go to Saudi Arabia unless you were going, like, if you were international and you weren't working for them, unless you were going to, to the Hajj. Okay, in other words, if the people are
1: going to the... Uh, to, to, so if you weren't going to Hajj, you had to be there as an oil worker. Yeah, you had to work. Or a nurse or exactly. something. Yeah. Some so, kind of medical professional, yeah.
0: So they've been changing it, changing it, changing it. In 2016 or so, they're like, look, hey, everybody come. Let's do tourism, whatever. So I said to them, how am I going to get a visa? And they said, you can go online. Do You know, I?" My, so Andrea says, Keith, you know, I trust you. Go. Before I made the final decision, I called you. And you and Linnell were on the phone. Do you remember this conversation? Oh,
1: I do. Okay, can I, I Here's, wanna... Can I tell you what I was thinking? I was with you on the Temple Mount, which has two groups of uh, um, security people. There's the Israeli police and there's the Waqf. Yes. The Waqf are the Islamic religious authorities. It's basically like the Pope, but for the Muslims. hmm Uh, And so this is like the Pope's police, right, Mm -hmm. but for Muslims. Mm -hmm. So we're up there on Saudi, uh, Saudi. we're up there on the Temple Mount, the third holiest place in Islam. We're there with my mother in her wheelchair. And a man walks up and he says, Keith Johnson, how's your friend Rabbi Yehuda Glick? And the part he doesn't say is who he shot in the chest. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, Keith, they know who he... You know how many hundreds of thousands of tourists <laughs> go up there? You know how many African-American and, and actually African tourists from Africa who go up there? But they immediately, I recognized you by face, the Islamic authorities on the Temple Mount. And you want to go to Saudi Arabia where they behead people for the slightest, I mean, they've executed people in Muslim countries. That's actually a case where there was this um, uh, elementary or a kindergarten teacher and she had a little teddy bear and she said to the class, okay, we're going to give it a name. We'll call it Mohammed. And she was uh, thrown in prison. Mm-hmm. And now here's the guy who went up on the Temple Mount and they shot his friend in the chest. And you want to go to Saudi Arabia? Okay. This, so what you th- know, So what I said to Linnell is, this seems like a bad idea. <laughs> That's what you. And
0: then he told me this as I'm sitting, preparing to go. And so anyway, I went. And the reason is, is I believe the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. I felt strongly, and I'm going to be spiritual, that He was calling me to the mountain. So, I went to the mountain. This has happened between our Hebrew Gospel Pearls and today. And while I was there, I had uh, an experience that is.
1: Well, there's before Sinai and after Sinai. Yeah, so I had I had an experience. So what's the experience? Yeah, so I
0: I I, actually I did bring you there. I brought everyone there because what I did is I decided Mm. to go there just with my little camera Mm. and to climb this mountain. And I did three things. I went to the mountain, I climbed it, I went to Elijah's cave, I went to the altar of the golden calf, and uh, also to the split rock. And I brought my little camera. But then what I did is a really cool thing. I called ARA. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The people at ARA, and I said, hey, listen, can you guys help me make this presentable? Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, Nehemia, I gave it to uh, uh, well, I call the wizard here, the first one. I gave it to the wizard, and I'm telling you, when I saw the 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I started crying. Because I Mm. was reminded of if this is the spot, and I believe it is by culture, by context, I won't go into great detail, but if this is the spot, I'm climbing, crying, and, 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 you know, crawling up this mountain, and if this is the spot, this is where our father showed up. So I went to the mountain. Uh, as a result, I got back, and now I'm calling it AS, after Saudi, because Nehemiah, I, I experienced uh, there, yeah. and, I'm, and I know we're on camera, I'm mean, got like the little tears. Like, it, I experienced there his presence, in a way that radically changed my perspective. What we did do at ARA on the YouTube channel of, of A Root Awakening is put the videos up. Mm. Uh, there's three of them. Climbing the mountain of God, 10 minutes. Second one is going to the golden altar. I actually, you know, you know what I did? <laughs> it was locked, the gates were locked. So I snuck under the fence and I took the people with my camera under the fence and I went there and I saw it, it's amazing. And then we went to the Split Rock. So those are available. But what that did is it put me to a place to remember again just who God is and what the journey I have had. This journey has been mm. amazing. 20 years ago, Nehemia, yes. for all of those people that say, Keith, you know, you always go on these, these rabbit trails. Listen, <laughs> this fits to what we did 20 years ago. Mm. 20 years ago, that picture, we're in the old city. You've got your Hebrew Bible. I'm walking with you, Michael Rood. I want to put up a picture of Michael real quick. I have one from here 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's put up that picture of Michael. There it is, you guys, this is him 20 years ago. And Michael was the one who said, listen Keith, this isn't my expertise, but I know Nehemiah Gordon from the Hebrew University and I want you to meet with him. And so he introduces you to me. He sets up a day long tour in the old city of Jerusalem where we're sitting across from the wall where God's name was spoken and we talked about it a thousand times. But the thing that happened was we were walking mm-hmm. and we kept talking about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell the story. What did we do? We would stop. I'd say, Nehemiah, blah, blah, blah. In my Methodist pastor background, I think at one point I said something like, you know, Nehemiah, I really want you to, to, to work with me. I want you to teach me. I want to be like Elisha. I want you to be Elijah. And I want the double portion. And you stopped in the old city of Jerusalem. <laughs> Come on, laugh with me. You know, that's funny. You will stop with me in the mm-hmm. old city of Jerusalem. We sat down on a rock. You opened up the Hebrew Bible, Mm -hmm. and this is when my life changed. Mm -hmm. You started reading what the verse said. Mm -hmm. I went behind and looked at what you were reading. It wasn't an English translation. Mm -hmm. Immediately in my gut, I said, this is not right. I'm Keith Johnson from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I've got a master's degree. I'm a pastor, and this guy is reading... The Bible, and I don't know what he's reading, and I don't understand, and he's translating it from Hebrew. Yeah, can, it yeah. changed everything wow. for me, and it was this verse that we're going to look at today that started me on the issue of mm-hmm. the tricks of
1: translation. So that's my yeah. that's my intro. So before we get to the verse, which is an important, verse, yes, I want to tell you something I remember from that 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 trip, uh, that hike that we took around the old city. Um, and uh, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the things you asked me about, and let's put this in context. So this is 2002. Yep. I'd finished all of my coursework uh, in, uh, I think all of my, most of my coursework, all of my coursework for my master's degree. And I just had like a few uh, things I had. I had to write a thesis, basically, right. which I put off for quite a number of years. I was working for Professor Emanuel Tove mm-hmm. on the Dead Sea Scrolls, that's what I was doing. Those, like, you picked me up from work, right? Um, the night before, and um, you turn to me and you say, "Nehemia, I have a question about the mercy seat." And I said, "What's that?" In my life, I had never heard of the mercy seat. I had no idea. Literally, I had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and you're like, I, you're, it's the "Mercy you're, seat? You're University? How do you not know what the mercy <laughs> seat is?" So we open up. And I see it in Hebrew, and I'm like, it doesn't say mercy seat there. Where'd they get that? Like, mm. And to this day, I'm kind of stunned. Yeah. Why would they call it the yep. mercy seat? Right. It's a completely different word in Hebrew. It's the kaporet. Yeah. It is the um, atonement yes. seat, the site of atonement, the atonement item, the covering of atonement. Mm-hmm. Kaporet, the word mercy isn't there, and the word seat isn't there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was, it was interesting. That, that stuck with me ever since, that talk about tricks of translation. Right. When somebody translates that the mercy seat, when it doesn't say anything of the sort, mm-hmm. in fact it's called the atonement covering. Yes. That's pretty deliberate. That is very There's deliberate. There's an agenda there. There's and I'm not even sure in that case what the agenda is. Mm-hmm. Um but, but, but isn't that interesting? I think it's someone who's trying to remove atonement from there. I don't really know what it's about. Yeah. But it's a completely different concept. Yeah. Uh, now, let's look at the verse. Well, before we get to the verse, yeah, to I the have verse. to tell you the second thing that happened to me since I've been What's called. that?
0: So there was Saudi Arabia, Israel, tours, all of that. Mm-hmm. Second thing is I'm I'm in Connecticut with my dear friends, the Gepards. Mm. Uh, and uh, Rob and Christy and their family... And mm. I was sitting in their living room and I looked across the living room and I see this old book. Mm. And it's a Bible, clearly, a big old book. And I actually mm-hmm. have it here. Okay. I said, what is that book? They said, it's a Bible, right? Yeah. So I get the Bible and it falls apart, Nehemiah. It, okay. it, the, 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 the outside falls oh, apart. No. But I open it and I read it and I come to find out this book is a book that was the first translation mm-hmm. from Hebrew into English for the Jews of America. A man named Isaac Leeser in 1853 said some really interesting things and I wanna read just one of the things that he said. Mm-mm-mm. I have it here. Now I can't flip through this book, but I've asked the amazing team here at ARA to give you guys the picture of what he says. I have it let's see right here. Which verse is this on? Uh, this is this is not a verse. Oh, this is the preface. This is this is the preface. Okay. Yes. Uh da, 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 da. <clears throat> oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Here it
1: is. Wait. So tell us again what is this. Now, so here's the deal. This. Who made the translation
0: so this is here? Isaac Leeser in 1853, okay. and this Bible that I have here was actually presented. Mm-hmm. And I can't use the pages very often, but in 1915, this Bible was presented, from presented to Mr. and Mrs. Samuel Weisberger by Mortimer Newman, June 1st, 1915. The amazing thing about this Bible is that there are so
1: many pearls in this Bible, Nehemiah. He says something, can I read what Wait, he says? So first of all, this is a rabbi in the U.S. in the 1800s. 1800s. And he, even though this is a, a later yes. reprint. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's the first Jewish translation of the Bible by an American Jew, by an American Jewish rabbi. Yes, the first one, okay, ever. Wow. And that's interesting because we've got Today, most Jews will say, oh, well, there's the JPS, Jewish Publication Society, yeah. or there's the Art Scroll, which is sort of the ultra-Orthodox version of the JPS. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we have the earlier one, the JPS 1917. This predates JPS by oh. Oh. decades, 50, 60 years, something like He's that. He's
0: really the founder of the Jewish Publication Society. He really, oh, really? is. And in fact, I gotta tell you okay. something. If we get to it, Nehemiah, I don't know if yeah. we're gonna get to it. You're so busy. Okay. But if we can get to it, yeah. this Bible mm. answers a question about the name Yeshua. This is the only Bible. Wait, wait. Now, I'm telling you. The Bible you, by the Jewish rabbi. The in Jewish rabbi does something I found. Deals in, with Yeshua. No translation anywhere. Wow. In this Bible. With the Bible, name Yeshua. If we can get to it. Okay. If we can get to it, I'm going to ask. If we can get to it, we're going to try to do a special episode for uh, ARA Shabbat Night Live. Mm. I, want, I want the world to see this Bible. But this is for our Hebrew Gospel prose mm. folks. Let me just get back to what he says real yeah. quick and we're going to get into this verse. Okay. Here's what he says. The translator is an Israelite in faith. In the full sense of the word, he believes in the scriptures as they have been handed down to us, in the truth and authenticity of prophecies and their ultimate literal fulfillment. He has always Hmm. studied the scriptures to find a confirmation for his faith and hope. Nevertheless, he asserts fearlessly, say fearlessly, Fearlessly. that in his going through this work, he has, I love this, he has thrown aside all bias, discarded every preconceived opinion, and translated the text before him without regard to the result thence arising for his creed. Mm. But no perversion or forced rendering of any text was needed to bear out his opinions or those of Israelites in journey." You know what I want to call that SNL? Okay. A Jew and a Gentile explain the name Yeshua. <laughs> and if it's not you, this Jew will help us explain it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it to be you. Will you do it with okay. me? No, we, let's do it. Okay, all right, almost done. Israelites in general and he has for one would place but little confidence in them if he were compelled to change the evident meaning of the Bible to find a support for them last sentence he trusts therefore that to those who agree with him in their religious persuasion he has rendered an acceptable service and it goes on and on and and Nehemia, this is what I'm gonna do in our little tricks mm. of translation, two episodes, potentially three, is towards the end, we're gonna to go to what I call the big book. Tell the story why I call it the big book. Why do I call it the big book, Nehemiah? Because it's a book that's big. You don't listen to my stories? I told you, the first one. I became what, what? a Christian, they said they offered me a little book. Okay. You don't, come on, I'm with it's, you. Why don't you tell the story? <laughs> No, the point is I found my big book. Okay. This is the first English translation. And I mean, what the little
1: th- book was the New, Test- the, the New Testament. The New Testament was the little was, book yeah. and the big was, okay. but this one is the big this book. This is your big book.
0: It's the first English translation for those American Jews mm. who, who
1: didn't. All they read was the King James. So now now let's do something off script. Oh, oh. Uh, we, we haven't tested this. No, no, So Exodus 25, 17, it says, and you will make a of of, of uh, gold, of pure gold, in the King James, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. JPS 1985, you shall make a cover ah. of pure gold. What does Rabbi Leiser have? Well, you know what? If, I were, to, if I were to, if I were to, this, the, the, reason the, we can't, the reason we can it would fall, literally the pages. You can't, can't get me pic- Exodus 25:17. Do They have to take pictures. No, I'm gonna here. try, I'm gonna try. Carefully turn. Exodus 25, 17. Okay, let's see. Do we have a mercy literally, seat? Literally. Or do we have a. Uh, okay. 25 what? 17. Mm-hmm. This is live on camera. I don't know what it is. 17, and thou shalt
0: make a mercy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, and it. thou shalt make a cover of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length. Mm. And then he gives a note, yeah. which is
1: a... a- like mercy seat. <laughs> what is he no, saying? no,
0: no, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we'll have to put it up here. The point is he does say cover.
1: He tries cover, not mercy. He does stage. say
0: cover. Isn't that interesting? And you know that, what I want to tell really you about this, this Bible, Nehemiah? Yeah. Over the, each verse that we've looked at, pearl, <laughs> pearl, 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 pearl. So mm. we're going to get into the first verse that I asked you about. Yeah. I asked you about 2 yeah. Kings chapter 2, verse 9, and you, you had the Nehemiah look, by the way. Mm. When I said it, I said, Nehemiah, would you, would you be willing to spend time? You know, mm. you just met me you know, the day before, mm. and I said, hey, would you, would you teach, would you work with me? And you're like, no, no. From the morning to the afternoon, no, 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 no. And it took how long for you to finally say yes? I don't remember exactly. And but guess but what? I just wanna say yeah. back to all of your travels and all that mm-hmm. you've done, Nehemia, you are a scholar of scholar. Michael says it all the time, but now for you to be Dr. Nehemia Gordon, PhD, it mm. gives me such joy, and I am so humbled that you're still working with me. <laughs> so let's take a look at Second Kings. Can we? Or do you want to say something so else before, before that? we
1: get to that? And and I I feel like we might want to save this for the plus because I don't know that we have time to get to it in in this uh, in the public episode. Can we save it for the plus? Okay, if you'd like. You got something else? I got well. Um, I've got a couple of things, but okay. I think I have to save them for the plus. There's this is just too this is too big to. Uh, uh, Okay,
0: so let's. So we've yes. we've had a shift, guys. Now let me just say this. I want to say this. I brought a couple things. I brought my my little picture book. <laughs> mm. I brought the big book. <laughs> yes. But I brought this. I love this. I don't know him yet. What is it? it this, looks like a key. It's absolutely a key. Yeah. And and I got to tell you something. When it comes to the Tanakh, and mm-hmm. even sometimes as it pertains to the New Testament, um, when you have the key, what I call is the the scriptures that they called uh, uh, you know these scriptures in its original language history and context, mm-hmm. I call this my Hebrew key. Mm-hmm. And this key, you know, when you go in there and you unlock it, there's mm-hmm. so many things, Nehemiah that just absolutely jump off the page. I was talking to you and Nelson, the new, it's uh, not new, he's been a research uh, person that works with he's you. He's a research
1: assistant yeah. at the Institute of Hebrew Bible Management. Absolutely
0: research. he is, and he's amazing. And I was talking about how when I first met you 20 years ago mm. and I said, hey, listen, I really want to get back. I want to understand Hebrew. I want to open up my Hebrew Bible and I want to translate it. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to open a Torah scroll and I want to be able to read it. Mm. And you did a phenomenal thing. You worked with me, worked with me, worked with me. But I said, you know, 20 years ago when I said Hebrew, people are like do that little thing that you and
1: Linnell sometimes where you take your head and go like We've this. got our little friend, Gwenny. <laughs> and when Gwenny hears something <laughs> surprising, she goes, uh-huh. So I'm talking to whenever I'm uh-huh.
0: talking to Nehemia Linnell, and I say something weird, BS or AS. If I say it BS, they go like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> so people used to do that to me all the time. Why are you studying Hebrew? But do you know right now, Nehemia, yeah. around the world, uh-huh. people are beginning to interact with the Hebrew language, mm. both in modern speaking and speaking mm-hmm. it class after class after class, and Mm. also learning biblical Hebrew. And it's amazing to see that. So now when we talk about this, tricks of translation, and we decide, little section of our episode that says, let's use the key, let's go to the big book, let's see the translations, you've got tap-tap here, let's, you know, Mm. it's it's something that people are interested in. And I'm, I'm particularly
1: excited so, that we're gonna do this. So before we cut over to the plus yes. section, I wanna, I want to. you know, we talked about this traditore, traditore, mm-hmm. the translator's a traitor. Mm-hmm. And when we originally discussed this, I said, you know who we have to talk about here? Abraham Ibn Ezra. Okay. Ibn Ezra was this rabbi who lived from 1089 to 1164. Uh, he started out in Spain, ended up in Italy, and uh, he, he was one of the great commentators of... Uh, of the Tanakh in Hebrew, mm-hmm. and this is incredible introduction he gives to the uh, his commentary on the Torah, and I want to just share a little bit absolutely, about that absolutely. before before we go to the plus section, yeah. because he lays out some of the problems here of the translator being the traitor, and I've talked about this in the past that he famously describes how there are five approaches to interpreting Scripture, and he describes it as shooting an arrow. Mm -hmm. And he says, some people shoot the arrow and they completely miss the target. Mm -hmm. Other people shoot the arrow and they hit the target, but they don't hit the bullseye. Mm -hmm. Still other people, they hit the target, sometimes they're on the bullseye, sometimes they're off and it's kind of hit or miss. Some people shoot the arrow and it lands on a tree nearby and they go and they draw, they draw the target around the <laughs> This is where I was trying to go. <laughs> and he says, what I'm trying to do is always fire the arrow and hit the target. So he describes five methods of interpretation or five approaches. Mm-hmm. And the first one he describes, he calls it the approach of the uncircumcised, by which he means the Christians. And he says, the Christians, when they interpret scripture, everything is allegorical. Everything in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible, is allegorical, even the commandments. Mm. And so they're completely missing the target. That's according to Ibn Ezra. Um, he said, then there's the Karite interpretation. And he said, the problem with the Karites is they only accept the shot, the plain meaning based on the language, history, and context, but they don't accept the authority of the rabbis. Mm-hmm. Uh, third interpretation is the rabbis known as the geonim, who are from 589 to 1038. And he says, they interpret through the filter of science and philosophy. Mm -hmm. And you might think, well, that's wonderful, isn't it? But what they mean by science isn't what we mean by (laughs) by science today, right? Everything is some hypothetical philosophical idea, which, and and they're interpreting scripture through the filter of these uh, medieval philosophy. Fourth interpretation is what's called the midrashic interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's the interpretation of who the group he calls the sages. Mm -hmm. The sages are the rabbis who wrote the Mishnah and the Talmud from around 200 BC up until 500 CE, and he says the sages ignore the language and the context. He says that's completely legitimate, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. Meaning, he says this is a valid method of interpreting scripture but it doesn't give you the plain meaning, the true meaning of scripture. Mm -hmm. It's true on some deep spiritual level, but it's not true within the context of what scripture is saying. Mm -hmm. And then he comes to the fifth interpretation, which naturally is his interpretation, (laughs) which is the one which is correct. And I wanna read you what he says. Okay. He says, the fifth way is the foundation upon which I will lay my commentary, to elucidate scripture in accordance with its style, Mm. its grammar, And it's plain meaning. Mm -hmm. Only concerning the commandments and statues will I rely on our ancestors. And here's the key part. And I will correct the grammar of our language in accordance with their words. (laughs) In other words, if our rabbis in the mission of the Talmud give us an interpretation of what something means, and it's contrary to the language and the context, I'll just change the rules of language. That's what he says. Um, He says, heaven forbid that I should sin against my creator to send my tongue against the sages who are noble in their wisdom and their deeds, more so than all of the wise men of the generations that came after. Anyone who sins against them causes violence to his soul and anyone who goes outside their words, his blood is upon his own head. Mm -hmm. He will be separated from the congregation of the exile and shall descend alive down into Sheol. And then he says, so in other words, when it comes to a practical commandment, don't boil a kid in its mother's milk, doesn't matter what the rules of the language are, I'm required to follow what the rabbis say. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, six days you shall work and on the seventh day you shall rest. And language defines for me what what work is and what rest is. I have to ignore language and I have to accept what the rabbis say is binding even when it's contrary to language, we're gonna twist and adapt. He says fix here, I think. He says, I will correct the grammar mm. of, our, of our language in accordance with their words. So I'm gonna adapt the meaning of the, I'm gonna go and change the grammar mm. to fit with what our sages say when it comes to practical commandments. And he goes on, he says, um, and this is really interesting. He says, only concerning a scripture that does not involve a commandment will I mention the correct interpretations of the ancient ones and the later ones, and will only fear God and not be a respecter of persons and matters of Torah. Mm -hmm. And that's really profound. What he's saying is, look, if there's some story in the Tanakh, you know, about Abraham and and whatever, there's no practical commandment, there's no practical application. Mm -hmm. I can interpret it any way I want, even contrary to what the rabbis say. But when it's something that I have to carry out in my daily life, as a commandment of God, I've gotta change the language to fit what the uh, grammar, uh, I have to change the language and grammar to fit with what the rabbis say. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what he says at the end. He says, um, uh, only then when I'm dealing with something that doesn't have a practical application in Mm -hmm. daily life, Um, then uh, I'm only gonna fear God and not the rabbis Mm -hmm. and not be a respecter of persons. So that phrase, be a respecter of persons, that comes from Malachi, well, it starts in Leviticus 19.15. It says there, you shall not do corruption in judgment. You shall not respect the face of a poor person nor glorify the face of a great person. In justice, you will judge your people. Mm -hmm. And that's so profound. What it's saying there in the Torah in Leviticus 19.15 is when you're a judge and you have to judge a situation, you might say, you know what? There's this court case between the rich guy and the poor guy. The rich guy, he's got enough. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna find in favor of the poor guy even though he's wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's called being a respecter of persons. Mm -hmm. And you might say the opposite. You might say, I mean, look, this guy, he's the noble person of the town. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's this rich guy. We're not, We're going to believe this poor guy, this bum over mm-hmm. the over the rich mm-hmm. guy. No, I'm going to trust the rich guy. And surely he's in the right. Mm-hmm. And the Torah says, don't be a respecter of persons in judgment. Mm-hmm. Only judge the truth. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there's this concept today in American politics called equity. Mm-hmm. And equity says you've got to. It's wrong. It's injustice. Social justice mm-hmm. is to play favorites in play favor of the poor against the rich or in favor of a certain social group or ethnic group, in favor of the other ethnic group. Mm -hmm. That's a corruption of justice, according to Leviticus Mm 19.15. Justice is to follow the truth Mm -hmm. and not to be a respecter of persons. Now Malachi then takes that phrase and he says, And I have... and I have made you despised and lowly before all the people because you do not keep my ways. And your respecters of persons and matters of the Torah. Mm-hmm. He's talking to the priests and the prophets of those days mm-hmm. who say, you know, this great person said this is what the Torah says. This great person uh, is teaching us what the Torah says and, it, and it's not right but we have to respect this person and modify our understanding of the Torah Mm -hmm. based on what this person says Mm -hmm. rather than the truth. So Malachi directly rebukes people who do. What Ibn Ezra says he won't do in matters of stories in the Bible, but in matters of commandments, he's bound to do it. Mm. So that's tricks of translations. And we have a beautiful example of how that's been brought over into the King James Version, but I want to talk about that into the plus. Okay. What Ibn Ezra talks about here hypothetically actually happens in the King James translation of Joshua 5.11, but we'll save that for the plus episode.
0: Now, folks, BSAS. Before Saudi, we had a system. Yeah. Before Saudi, we had... We had yeah. plus, and one week was odd, and plus was one week was even. And when I came back, Nehemi, we sat down and decided, you know, we want to we spread the love. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that we're going to do yeah. is we're going to make our, our plus episodes available on both sites. Mm-hmm. And so I want you first to give your explanation of how that works with, uh, with your site.
1: Yes, in other, yes, words, so in other yes. words, people want to keep watching this, it will be on... Nehemiahswall.com. Come to nehemiahswall.com and join what I call my support team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you um, make a donation and you become part of the support team and you get access to the plus episode. And in the past, that only gave you access to the even-numbered plus episodes. And you had to do the same thing on Keith's website, right. which I'll tell you about in a second, for the odd-number episode. But not- we're AS now. We're B- we're after Saudi, so now, now what? Now we're after uh, Sinai. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we've decided to try this as an experiment yeah. where if people join my support team or what you have going on, they can get access to the plus on either either website, right, either, right. through either ministry. Right.
0: And one of the things we're doing at, at BFA, which I mm-hmm. came back and this was one of the things that happened on the mountain. It, listen, and I don't mind saying this. You, you actually blessed Nehemia just by this whole plus thing back and forth. Mm-hmm. It was just... During COVID, I mean, it changed the game mm. in terms of how many people we reached and, and the way that yeah. we did it. But when I got back, I was like, man, I just don't, I don't want to do anything. I just want everything to go wherever. You know, of course, the ministry that I work with, the BFA, looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but one thing that we have decided to do, which I talked to you about also, is there are a lot of people who literally, and we we went over this together, the letter you sent it to me just last week. A guy from Africa sends a letter. And he says, I cannot, I am not able to help. I can't do it, but I will help you in other ways. And what did you say? There's, there's ways that you bless people that way through your ministry. Mm-hmm. What we do is we give him a scholarship. And what we do right on our website is it says, share premium with people. You can, you can do that. As many scholarships as we get, we give away. And last year, I think we mm-hmm. gave away about 150. So this mm-hmm. year, we, if a person just cannot do $99 a year or $9.99 a month, Mm -hmm. we will do everything we can to get them a scholarship. If you become a premium member, now you don't only have the odd numbers, Mm -hmm. but for these two special episodes, Mm -hmm. you have access to that. So that's what you do here at BFA International. Uh, Nehemiah, working with you over these 20 years, I just have to say again, my life has been changed. I Mm -hmm. hope in some ways... You've been blessed by my crazy, very much so. My crazy approach to things, Amen. but I am—I'm in AS right now after after Sinai,
1: after Saudi, and I want to continue with the verse I want to get to, which is going to be in the. We're going to get to the double portion, but first I want to talk about how the, what Ibn Ezra talks about here, hypothetically, worm about changing the grammar and the language to fit what the rabbis say, has wormed its way into the King James Version, and I wonder if it's in that book. I actually don't know. You're gonna make me open it? Do we get to go to the big book? We're gonna go to, go to the big book. Okay, so listen,
0: here's what we need to do. We're gonna say a prayer, yes. we're gonna take a minute mm. to see if we can carefully open up to where this yes. is that you wanna look at. Yes. These pages literally ripped as we I, took pictures. I understand. Over 100 years old, but I'm telling you, it's amazing. Mm. I'm blessed by it. Nehemia, would you pray and then I'll pray and we'll yes.
1: go, go, go to the plus. Yehovah, Avinu Shabbat Shammai, Yehovah, our Father in heaven, I'm so grateful for you giving me the opportunity to travel around the world and study these ancient Hebrew and Greek manuscripts to get closer to the original words that you spoke. And rather than having to rely on people Mm. who translate these words with an agenda, who translate Mm. the words openly admitting they're going to change the rules of grammar and language to fit their agenda, you give me the opportunity Mm. to get back to your original word in the original manuscripts, at least that have survived, the ones that are available, Mm -hmm. and to share that with the world. Yes, Thank you, Father. Amen.
0: And Father, thank you again as we sit in this amazing place with so much talent that helps us to communicate in excellence Uh, the things that you give us. We thank you for all of the people here that work. I thank you for Nehemia's journey. I thank you for Lanelle and the way that you have brought her (laughs) in such a powerful way together that they are... They are doing amazing things. And the fact that I get a chance to, to, to be so close to see uh, these things is overwhelming. I just want to thank you for um, the Bible. I want to thank you for the Word of God. I want to thank you for the way that we can read what you gave to your people in its original language, history, and context, and then give it to people. Father, bring people from East, North, South, and West, all over the world, to to come to this place to understand not only the tricks, but the answers, the ways that they can actually interact with your word and make it uh, and apply it into their life. We give you praise, glory, and honor Mm. for this opportunity in your
1: name, amen. Amen. You have been listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For a more in-depth study, check out Hebrew Gospel Pearls Plus at NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. Thank you for your support.